0: I think it's cleared up now yeah amen well God bless you thank you for coming and joining us tonight Uh, pastor Josh is away you know sometimes people need a holiday (laughs) and so he keeps going and going like the ever-ready battery and so tonight he's away for some time with family and so uh, God bless him and God be with him and give him rest while he's away so We don't have the music like we normally would, but I'm going to ask old time, old time way. Does anybody have a testimony just to like break the ice and then we'll get into our Bible study. Does anybody have a testimony to share of what God is doing in their life? Yes, brother Chris. okay praise God so brother Chris just testified that he's been distributing tracks once again he likes to do that and he met an individual by the name of Richard which was endearing to him because his brother who passed away Uh, his name was Richard and so uh, he was able to share with him the track he received the track and he also received prayer so praise the Lord praise the Lord for that you know it's always good to go forth I know sister Ruby you like to share tracks and and to distribute and um, you know what make sure they have a place where they can go indicate on the track There's a church at 3535 Dixie Road. (laughs) Pardon me? Oh, yes, we can get that for you. Any other testimonies? No? Yes? Well, I'm glad we had one. That just means the rest of you are shy because I trust that God is actually doing something in all your lives and uh, you're just camera shy. So we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, We started talking about him while we were, while we um, began our series, Now What, Waiting for the Promise of the Holy Spirit, and we just continued the flow, and tonight we're going to look at the spirit of power, and the spirit of boldness, and how the Holy Spirit demonstrated this. Um, last week we didn't get to finish as we were looking at Acts chapter 2 and tonight we're not going to finish as we continue to look at Acts chapter 2. Just want to forewarn you. Um, I'm having a hard time condensing it just down into a quick abbreviative thing, but that's okay. We might as well continue it until the end of, um, until we reach the end of chapter 2. But this is what zechariah 4 and 6 says this is the word of the lord to zerubbabel not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the lord of hosts if you consider christendom okay you consider the churches across the world across the globe Right now, it seems as though everyone's trying to be relevant. Everyone's trying to get into that place where maybe mega church would be something attractive. Um, uh, as we've heard before, preached in our house, churches like to put up the, the fake fog and the, the ambiance of lights and different attractions because they feel that that's going to draw the people in. And While these may be great efforts to draw people in, what is happening more and more is the Holy Spirit is being pushed to the wayside. Uh, Instead of the Holy Spirit being our director, instead of the Holy Spirit being the primary order of the service, it's now discussions at at meetings how can we better this how can we better that and so when the Holy Spirit's not active in our churches what happens we have weekly motivational pep talks weekly motivational uh, build you up kind of talks and our community outreaches as churches instead of them being an outflow of the Holy Spirit's working in our lives they become just random acts of kindness But we need to have the Holy Spirit active and living within the church and demonstrating to us His power. So the Holy Spirit was never meant to be a supplement to the church. The Holy Spirit is what makes... He's never... Excuse me. He was never meant to be a supplement to the program that we're organizing or that we're planning. He was meant to be the... One that made the program. He was meant to be the one who birthed the idea within us. So in other words, what I'm saying is we don't have revival services and expect the Holy Spirit to show up. The Holy Spirit shows up and we have revival services. Right? We don't we don't plan to have healing services and expect the Holy Spirit to come up, come in and, and give us revelation knowledge to this one or that one that needs healing. No, we have healing because the Holy Spirit is present in the services. And so Somehow, over the evolution of time in church, people have dismissed the Holy Spirit to the sideshow and expected him to show up when they wanted him to show up. They expected him to show up when, well, we're having a special service tonight called Holy Spirit Emphasis, and so therefore the Holy Spirit should show up. And he's saying, wait a second, I am the emphasis, so you don't need to have a special service for me. I will emphasize myself. I will demonstrate. Demonstrate myself when they were gathered in the upper room and they were waiting on the power the Holy Spirit came and demonstrated himself so we are seeing more and more that the Holy that the services across Christendom are void of the power of the Holy Spirit a lot of men but not a whole lot of the Holy Spirit. So what is the power of the Holy Spirit? It's the power of salvation. It's the power of transformation. It's the power of healing. It's the power of deliverance. And so when we, we will know that the Holy Spirit is moving in our midst, when we're seeing people get saved, when we're hear, hearing of people in our church or churches getting healed, when we are hearing of people getting set free, getting delivered, when people are experiencing a transformation in their lives, I am no longer the man that I used to be. I'm no longer the woman I used to be. But rather, I'm noticing that God has done this in my life. And so we can know that the Holy Spirit is moving and flowing. This is what the scripture says. And we, and we noted this uh, um, on the Sunday that I spoke in, in the beginning of the month. Isaiah 66 One and two, I'm just going to paraphrase it. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? This is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Where will the Lord rest? Where will the Holy Spirit rest in his presence? The one who is humble and contrite. In, and trembles at his word what it does it mean to be contrite what does it in the literal sense a person that is contrite is one who recognizes that they have a spirit they have a spiritual sense of understanding that their sin has brought damage into their life their sin Um, has made them to have this, this inability to stand right before God. In the, in the, uh, I believe it's Webster's, it says that a contrite is a feeling or an expressing of remorse, penitence, and it's affected by our guilt. But you see, when we have that Holy Spirit working within us, the Holy Spirit nudges us and says, what you're doing is wrong. And that becomes the, our contrite heart. When we recognize in our spiritual state, you know what? I'm not honoring God with my life. I'm not honoring God with my lips. The things that I'm doing is not in a contrite spirit. One who trembles at his word, uh, Psalm 139, gives a very good explanation of this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the paths of righteousness. So one who is trembling at the presence of God, one who trembles at the word of God is willing to say, search me, oh God. You see, the one who is not trembling will say, God, they don't want to open themselves up to God for fear of what he may expose to them of their life for fear of what he may expose that they've been trying to hide what they've been trying to suppress but one who trembles at at my word is one who says God search me with your word let your word be that magnifying glass that just shows every area of my life that needs to be made right before you every area of my life that I haven't yet fully surrendered to you God, Let search me try me let let, me re, let the words jump out of me that I may look introspectively and say yes, that's an area in my life that has yet been surrendered that is where the Holy Spirit will come and rest that you have a contrite heart you recognize the areas of your life and you're willing to allow God to just go full scale and search you and test you and try you. The Holy Spirit is our only hope that we can draw people to salvation and he's our only hope to building disciples You know, it was the Holy Spirit's doing, and we're going to look at it in just a moment. It was the Holy Spirit's doing that built a church of 3,000 in one moment of time. After one message, the church was immediately built. Any of our big North American evangelists and ministers would like... Crave at that, oh, if I only had a church of three thousand people, you know what? Just let the Holy Spirit have control, and you 'll have a church of people that are being saved you 'll have a church that is building up disciples, and so, what did Jesus say to do? Wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father and Acts 1 and 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. So wait in Jerusalem so that you will receive the promise of the Father. What was the promise of the Father? The promise of the Father was that we would receive power from the Holy Spirit when he would come upon us. Let's just pause right there and pray. So Father God, as we've just laid out our introduction i just pray right now that you would just warm up our hearts to receive your word lord we come from a busy week we come in the middle of our week uh, each of us with maybe different things that we've walked through. But Lord, you know all things. And I pray that Holy Spirit, you would just grab a hold of us right now and that we would be able to see you alive in this text. That we would e- just invite you to be that living source within us so that the magnifying of God's word would be made real within us that wherever we go we would live and breathe this power that dwells within us through your presence. So Lord, we just surrender this to you, and may you be exalted in everything that is said, and let nothing be said that is not ordained of you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we, we, we have this Holy Spirit that we have been waiting for, and we have this power that will come upon us when the Holy Spirit comes. And so, yes, we want to be relevant churches, and yes, we want to organize services and, and special events, and, and, and we want to do so in an orderly way. But if we do everything in our man-made efforts, if we try to recreate something, well, this is how... How it worked on the day of Pentecost. This is how the Holy Spirit came on those that were waiting to receive. And so, therefore, let's recreate that kind of service. Let's recreate that kind of atmosphere. That's not going to be what ush- ushers in the move of God. Then we are missing the purpose of the waiting we are missing the purpose of the receiving you see the waiting and the receiving for the disciples at that time was one thing they knew they were waiting for the holy spirit but they didn't know how he would come they didn't know what he would look like they didn't know what would be demonstrated but they knew this that they would receive power They didn't know what he would look like, but they knew they would receive power. They didn't know how he would come, but they knew they would receive power. They didn't know what was going to transpire, but they knew they would receive power. So we know this. We know that there is going to be a pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh, but we don't know what it's going to look like, and we don't know when it's going to happen, but it's part of the latter-day revival. It's part of... The word of God, and, and we're going to look more into it in a moment, that Joel had prophesied. And so we have to be like those disciples. We have to allow ourselves to go into that place of being humble and contrite before the Lord, trembling at his word so that the Holy Spirit could have full authority and power. So if we want to build people up in faith, then we have to ho- follow the Holy Spirit's leading. We can't just muster it up ourselves. If we want to draw people, if we want to draw the multitudes, then guess what? Then we have to obey the Holy Spirit. You see, this is the thing. I was speaking with somebody this week, and they they asked, like, what is it that makes people not discern these things. How is it that people don't discern when a person is of this nature or of that nature or of this character or of that character? And I says, oh, it's not that they don't discern it. If the spirit of God is within it, they discern it, but they're not obeying what the spirit is revealing to them. So they're, if the Holy Spirit is tweaking them, this person, it doesn't have the right heart The right nature; therefore, they're not fit for that. Or this person is lying to you or deceiving. Oh, well, you know, they're a nice person. I really like them. I did, and so we disobey what the Holy Spirit is impressing upon us. So, if we want to draw people, the multitudes, then we have to obey what the Holy Spirit is saying, because people are seeking for truth. The Holy Spirit is the power of the church. And how was that power demonstrated on that 120? Well, the first thing that we saw happen is that they began to speak in other languages. If we go to Acts chapter 2, verse 11... It says, both Jews and proselytized, Cretans and Arian, we hear them telling in, in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And then verse 12 continues, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they were filled with new wine. The very first thing that we see the Holy Spirit do after he comes upon them in filling them to speak with other tongues is the tower, the curse that was put on the the Tower of Babel has been reversed. What was that curse? If we went to um, Genesis 11 verses 6 to 8, we would read that the people wanted to build for themselves a place, a place that would reach to the heavens so they could make a name for themselves. And the Lord came down and he said this, behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this in the... And this in only the beginning of what they will do, this is only the beginning of what they will do and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them." Come, let us go down and confuse their language that they may not understand each other and disperse them from there over the face of the earth. So, what do we see here? Now, the Holy Spirit came in and reversed that curse, that curse where none of them could understand one another and they were dispersed. And it says in Genesis 11, verse 9, Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. So the Lord reversed the curse... Through his Holy Spirit's infilling because the Holy Spirit is God's plan for our empowerment. The Holy Spirit is uh, is our empowerment that we may go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel. And so this is one of the first things that we could see noted here. There were 15 languages that were represented in that time. If you go from verse 8 through to the end of verse 11 that we had already read, you will be able the count that there were 15 different languages. Of the 120, they did not only speak in that time when the Holy Spirit came upon them, just those 15 languages, and yet people of those languages were able to hear them praising God and His works in their own language. There were other languages as well that were being spoken that were not yet known, but yet were known by God. The other miracle that we hear or that we see, um, and we mentioned this quickly last week, so we'll just restate it. And that was that the the people, the Galileans, were able to speak. And so when they, when it was looked upon as them, because it says in verse seven, and they were amazed and astonished, saying. Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Because the Galileans didn't have a, a refined language per se of the time. They, The, the, the gluteros, those uh, hard words that come from the back of the throat, they, they couldn't say them properly. They swallowed their syllables. And so they, they, they had a sloppy way of speaking. And now all of a sudden they're able to articulate. All of a sudden they're able to speak a language that was formerly before the empowerment of the Holy Spirit unknown to them they weren't even able to speak their own language properly let alone another language and so the evidence of the Holy Spirit was working in these Galileans and the people were amazed what could this mean so, we see the reversal of the Tower of Babel, the curse of the Tower of Babel. We see Galileans who could not speak prop, speak eloquently, now able to articulate in a brand new language that they weren't able to speak in, and so we see the evidence of the Holy Spirit working through. These individuals, they all spoke with different tongues, and yet one thing remained, and that was unity. They all spoke in different tongues, and yet there was unity among them. That's the difference between what was happening. In Genesis and what was happening in the upper room when they were all gathered you see in Genesis their aim was that they would be renowned that they would make a name for themselves but in in the when when the disciples were all gathered there in the upper room they were there glorifying God so it wasn't about themselves it was about God being praised and God being glorified. And so here is this this unique group of people that came to celebrate Pentecost and there's a multinational representation and the Holy Spirit shows up and he's given the ability to Vanessa for you to speak in this language and for you Lydia to speak in that language and you Sharon to speak in that language. And as you all begin to speak in the language that the Holy Spirit gives you people around are beginning to understand. And what is the Holy Spirit doing? He is drawing the multitudes in. Why? Because they're hearing something that is understandable to them. And that's what uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2 says this For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. What is Paul saying in this moment? Because there were th- there there were languages that were spoken at that time. If there was a hundred and twenty people there and and um, speaking, and there were many there of fifteen different languages, there was many more languages spoken than than we know. Okay, and so to some, because they didn't understand it, it would have come across as gibberish. And that is because they are, they are communicating with God. I had this encounter one time, um, I was, I was praying with some ladies at the altar and and they were just praying and, 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 and by all measures outwardly, they were just talking up a storm. I couldn't understand a word they were saying. So I believed in my heart that they were praying in the Holy spirit and Because they were just talking and talking and talking. And, and, and uh, so I, I was just in my heart agreeing, oh, Holy Spirit, yes, do your work, and, and agreeing with them. And, and uh, after the service, we were just gathered in the cafe and having some coffee, and they were speaking to me. And they had expressed how desirous they were to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I said, oh, well, I thought that you had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I heard you at the altar praying. I couldn't understand a word you were saying. I, I believe they were speaking their own native language, and it was Urdu, and I didn't know that because I don't know Urdu. And so maybe to my ears it would have spit, it would have sounded as though it was gibberish. Why? Because I didn't understand it. Yet they were praying in a known language to God, but I didn't know that language. At that time, when they were filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit, there were also languages, I believe, spoken that were spoken that God understood because they were actual languages, but maybe to some they were not understood. Does that make perfect sense to you? no yes you seem questionable but the corinthian says that when one speaks in a tongue not to men but to god for no one understands him but he utters mysteries in the spirit there will be times that you are speaking a language that maybe tonight if the holy spirit were to break forth through me and i began to speak a language that is not understood by anyone in this room but i am speaking a language to god and as i'm speaking this language to god perhaps someone on youtube is watching and they completely understand and they hear what i'm saying and the holy spirit speaks to them would i know anything of it no except that they were to make a post or perhaps someone watching on live stream but what is happening i am speaking a language to god it is a prayer to god it is one that he understands but just because because it is a language that i don't understand we should not call it gibberish this is the language we say oh it's gibberish no it is not gibberish it is the working of the holy spirit and just because you don't understand it it's not a prayer to you it is a prayer to god and what is he doing with that prayer only god knows only god knows what he is doing with that prayer So we have to praise the Lord and and understand that whether we speak in an earthly tongue or whether we speak in a heavenly tongue, we are speaking to God. And therefore it's being understood by God and God alone. Paul said this later on in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14, he says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What does that mean? My mind doesn't understand what I just said, but my spirit is praying. Who is my spirit praying to? God. So when you've become baptized in the Holy Spirit and you begin to speak a language, some people hold back because they don't understand what they're saying. They, it doesn't make sense to them. What, what, the, I, I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense. And so they hold back from releasing what God has given them, when God has truly given them a language, and it is something that your mind may not be able to understand or wrap around, but it is one that you could be certain that God understands. When I was a young girl and and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, in that I spoke in tongues. The very first thing that I began to do is, it seemed as though I was just going da 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 da, just, just that. Sound like I was saying da 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 over and over. So I, I, I genuinely felt as though the Holy Spirit had filled me. I genuinely felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when I went home, my father was asking me how the service had went. And I says, well, I, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. At least I believe I did. And he says, well, you either did or you didn't. And so he was questioning, why was I saying, I, at, least, at least I believe I did. I says, well, because, Dad, I only said da 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 He says, you know what? First of all, when you were a little girl and you began to speak, what did you say? Mama, dada." He says, you keep speaking whatever it was that the Lord spoke into you, never mind how it sounds. You keep speaking and God will give you a language. It will come. You keep speaking. Just believe in faith what God gave you. And that's exactly what happened to me. I, I started with what seemed to be just a da 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 and the Holy Spirit took over me because I couldn't control my, my tongue to go so rapid fire like that. Yet, as I began to engage in prayer in this, all of a sudden, and it didn't seem that, like that much long after, I had a prayer language. What happened? The Holy Spirit came, and the Holy Spirit did his work. So this is what we see initially. First of all, we had the sound, then we had the evidence of this fire what was like fire on their head. And and then we have them speaking in different languages. We understand that there's been a curse reversed. We understand that there is a language that is being spoken to God and understood directly by him, even if man present doesn't understand. And so we have these wow factors of what the Holy Spirit is doing. But let's not miss out on the more. Peter begins to preach a sermon that he wants to explain what took place. Because now we have people going, what does this mean? What does this mean? Others are saying, oh, but they're drunk with wine. Well, first of all, we need to know this. That in the Jewish culture, to be drunk with wine at 9 o'clock in the morning, it is not possible because they had their set times for prayer and so up until nine o'clock nobody ate because that was the time when one would engage with God one would set apart themselves to pray and so after nine o'clock they would they would, um, would eat or drink and so to say that they were drunk with wine that would not even have been culturally correct let alone literally correct and so these people were just mocking in saying that they were drunk with wine but Peter addresses them Acts chapter 2 verses 14 and 15 and he says but Peter standing with the 11 lifted up his voice and addressed them men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem let this be known to you and give ear to my words for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Give ear to my word. Did G, has have you not read in Scripture, "He who has an ear, let him hear." What did it? What does it say over and over in Revelations? It hear. Um, when, when the Lord is addressing the churches, but let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so, Paul—excuse uh, me—Peter is saying, "Men of Judea, give ear to my words." He is calling attention that I'm about to say something that you need to pay attention to. And in other words, you are culturally wrong right now but not just culturally wrong you are also spiritually wrong these men are not drunk let's not miss what the holy spirit is doing the holy spirit demonstrates his power how he spoke through peter in boldness peter was powerless prior to this did we not conclude that as we've been working through our bible studies peter was this timid man why because he had betrayed the lord when it was asked oh i i I saw you i know you you were with him aren't you one of his disciples and peter cowered at that but now he is standing before the people And he went from this one who denied Christ to one who is proclaiming Christ and his great works. Imagine the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. When you can go from one who denies Christ to one who proclaims his work, proclaims his wonders. So the Holy Spirit is orderly. He doesn't go against himself, so we want to make note of something that's uniquely happening that we might miss. Peter calls attention to the people, and alongside of him are the 11 disciples. With 11, he lifted up his voice, and he addressed them, and he said, as we have read, give ear to my words. These aren't drunk as you suppose. And then he begins to Share what Joel had to say. Now, what scripture does not say is, and while Peter was preaching, the other eleven continued to intercede in tongues. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. The Holy Spirit will not go against himself, nor will he draw attention to himself. The Holy Spirit is very orderly. And so when Peter gets up to speak, the tongues cease because the the attention is being given to the word. Who is the word? According to John chapter one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. According to John chapter one, verse 14, it was, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And who was that? That was Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit, because we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, he's not here to draw attention to himself. He's orderly. And so we can expect that when the Holy Spirit is moving in a service, he is also going to move in an orderly fashion. He's not going to draw all sorts of commotion. That isn't how he operates, but he is pointing our our attention to the Word. Who is the Word? The Word is God. The Word is Jesus. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus who points us to the Father. So we see this remarkable change in Peter. He has courage and he has boldness. The other thing that we don't want to miss is Peter went from waiting and powerless to... Speaking in another language, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and preaching. Can I ask you, look at your scripture. Can I ask you where it says that Peter got away and prepared his sermon? That Peter sat down and made notes? Can I ask you where that transpired? It didn't transpire because the Holy Spirit empowered him, for what he was going to say the holy spirit moved upon him not because peter was some man that was highly educated he didn't have not it it wasn't because he had his degree his doctorate or his masters it wasn't because he had higher education it was because he had encountered a higher power and that higher power began to operate within him and peter stands up and he begins to proclaim the truth of the word he begins to proclaim truth and so Right here, this, the sermon that P- Peter begins to preach was inspired by the Holy Spirit. It was given to Peter in that moment as the Holy Spirit rose up with him, within him boldness. So we don't want to miss what the Holy Spirit is doing, because we want to jump to the prophecy. We have to see what the Holy Spirit was doing before the prophecy was declared. The Holy Spirit was empowering this man. Some people are afraid to witness. Nice that you go out and give tracts. Some people are afraid to share. Well, I, I just don't know what I would say. What if they ask me a question I don't know? Well, first of all, if you're doing it in the power and strength of yourself, then you won't know. Then you will be timid. But if you're doing it in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit, then he will empower you. And if somebody should ask you something that you don't know, guess what? It is okay to say, you know, I don't have an answer to that. But if you'd like to get together sometime for a coffee, I'd be happy to bring an answer to you. It's okay not to know ever anything. But the Holy Spirit won't make a fool of you if you're relying and depending upon Him. So this, spirit, this sermon, I should say, was spontaneously inspired by the Holy Spirit. Peter was not prepared, but God had every detail prepared because Peter did walk with Jesus. He did spend time with Jesus. And so Peter had relationship with Jesus. He walked daily with his Lord. He was in close fellowship with him. He knew him. Micah 6 and 8 says what? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what the Lord requires of you to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Peter did walk with the Lord. He did know the Lord. He did have a relationship with the Lord. He got accustomed to his ways and his thoughts. Deuteronomy 5 and 33 says this. You shall walk in all the way." That the Lord your God has commanded you. That you may live and that it may go well with you. And that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. You shall walk in the way. Peter was walking in the Lord. And so this This sermon flowed from a life that was familiar with his Lord he was familiar with the ways of the Lord it wasn't like all of a sudden he didn't know God and all of a sudden it was downloaded he was familiar with the Lord but there was that Holy Spirit inspiration that gave him the boldness to be able to stand up and speak the truth Peter um Peter had so much more that he could have said, but the sermon flowed from, his, from the life and the relationship that he had. And though it could only take us maybe two or three minutes to read this passage, if you went back, if you went to the end of the passage of... Um, verse 40 it says and with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying save yourselves from this crooked generation and with many other words he bore witness and continued to the to exhort them so though this is all that is written he said a whole lot more he said a whole lot more so let's look at um, at what peter did so verse 15 for these people are not drunk with wine uh, as you suppose since it's hour of the day and as i mentioned uh that uh, during that time that would not be possible that would not be uh something that they lived by because their standard was that they would not drink before 9 a.m it was one of those situations where the spectators were just wanting to mock the work of God, mock the move move of God, because they were looking more at what was happening. All of a sudden, the people were praising God and speaking in a language that they didn't understand. Maybe some had their hands in the air and were walking and talking with the language. Maybe others fell to their knees and began to, to speak this language. Perhaps others fell prostrate before God, beginning to speak this language. And so for for the sake of all matter, these mockers wanted to make fun of what they were doing because they were acting in a way that was not familiar to them. But it surely was not because they were actually drunk you know some people would take a scripture like that and and um how many times have you heard oh he was drunk in the spirit (laughs) we've heard that a lot in christendom right and i'll tell you the truth there have been times in my life where i have gone to an altar call or i have been in a prayer uh, prayer service where the Holy Spirit so enveloped me, where I felt as though I could not stand, where I felt as though, you know, I was just overtaken by his power, but we should never minimize it to say, oh, she was drunk with the Spirit. We should never mix it with the earthly terms of drunkenness. Let's, let's, let's call it for what it is. Oh, he's been overtaken by the Spirit of God. Oh, the Spirit of God is moving so powerfully upon them because it is true that if I stuck, and I said this illustration a while back, if I stuck my finger into the socket, then my body is going to react when it comes in contact with that power. There is no way I can touch that earthly power source without there being a manifestation that I touched that earthly power source. So of course there is going to be some sort of manifestation that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You may jump. You may, you may uh, dance, you know. You may sing in the spirit. It, some people tremble and, and shake. But let's not minimize it to be something, oh, she is drunk in the spirit, or oh, he is drunk in the spirit. Because one who is drunk has no control. But I want to tell you this, the whole one of the fruit of the spirits is what? Self-control. So... When you are paralleling the move of the Spirit on somebody's life and you are saying they're drunk in the Spirit, you are speaking as though they have no control. And that's not the fruit of the Spirit. They're the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit would not go against that. Peter takes an opportunity to speak truth. He brings his audience to recall Joel's prophecy of the latter day outpouring. And Joel's prophecy said it like this. Joel chapter 2 verses 28 to 32. And I can't remember if I gave it to uh, the media team. But... And it says this, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." If I go to Peter's account, it's very similar, yet it has some little bit of variation. And in the last days, verse 17, it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy. That part, see? And they will prophesy. Verse 19, And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, no, and uh, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Very similar to the one. And then, verse 20, The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of before the day of the lord comes the great and magnificent day and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the lord shall be saved and right there he ends we don't see from for in mount zion and in jerusalem but There is very, very much the exact same, almost word for word, that Joel said Peter gives an account. And so Peter preaches, and while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit is not being quenched just because people stop. Speaking in tongues, in fact, the Holy Spirit is moving even greater because now the Holy Spirit, as a result of that empowering, as a result of that prayer service that went forth, where they were all together unifying, praising God together, the Holy Spirit is now flowing and moving, and the Holy Spirit fulfills. What is what exactly um, Peter is saying? So we have to be wise to the flowing and the moving of the Holy Spirit when He is moving within our midst, because some want to take. Um, this happens, and I've seen it happen. Some want to make it as though the Holy Spirit should just take right over, and then there shouldn't be a preaching of the Word. Oh, well, that was a great service because we couldn't even preach the Word of God because the Holy Spirit took over. The Holy Spirit will bring glory to the Word, and the Word will bring glory to God. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit moving when uh, a few weeks back when the when, when the Holy Spirit moved in our midst, it was during the preaching of the word. The, the word wasn't exempt from the service, but it was while the service was taking place, while the word was going forth, the Holy Spirit began to move. Some people want to orchestrate their own service. And and from perhaps from the pew trying and burst out speaking, and they're out of order, and, the, and they're trying to dip the moving and the flowing of the Spirit, but the Holy Spirit will always work orderly. And so we go back to the, the, the Scripture. And in the last days, verse 17, it shall be that God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on all flesh. What took place on Pentecost was that near fulfillment of the promise that all flesh pertaining to males and females, sons and daughter, when, when, um, we were in discussion of Mary Magdalene, if you remember a few weeks back, when Jesus appeared to her first. Why did he appear to her first? To reverse that curse where Eve had brought sin, and, and because of Eve, the woman would, would suffer in childbirth, and, and what else did we learn during that time? That every, every morning, a rabbi would wake up and pray, I thank God that I'm not a woman women weren't even permitted to speak in the courts at that time women were were, they had no voice and so now the scripture is saying that he is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh that is including the woman this is why it was so important for us to recognize that god appeared to mary magdalene and he said to her what Go and tell the disciples, especially Peter, that I am alive. Isn't it interesting that the, the, that the notation was to a woman? And uh, the declaration, the, the ordination was to a woman to go and tell, to go and declare and especially to Peter. And now when we have the Holy Spirit come and showing up upon his church, what is happening? It's being declared that he is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And who's making the declaration? None other than Peter and so god is saying look the word confirms the word because i am the word so the lord will all scripture will always confirm scripture if he spoke to mary as a woman and he's saying he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh he's including her in that all flesh in using the quotation from joel i will pour out my spirit on all flesh peter explains what these curious outlook onlookers were were wondering about what does this mean well this is what you are seeing is what joel talked about this is what it looks like when the holy spirit is going to be poured out up to this point How did they know about the Holy Spirit? How was the Holy Spirit demonstrated in the scriptures? Well, we could see this in Numbers 27 verse 18. The Lord said to Moses, take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. So in the Old Testament, we saw that God would point out ones that had his spirit upon them. So this verse indicated that the Holy Spirit—it wasn't necessarily on everyone, but He certainly pointed out when He was on one in specific, such as Joshua, in—excuse <clears throat> me—in Judges three, uh, when when the when the Lord when the Spirit came on Othanel, I think that's how you would say the name. And he was used of God because what was happening at that time was Israel was doing what was evil in the sight of God. They were worshiping Baals, they were worshiping Asheroth, and they had forgotten the Lord. And in forgetting the Lord, Judges 3 and 10 says this, that he would use Othano, the spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. So here's another indication where in the Old Testament, the spirit of the Lord was on someone specifically to do a specific task not that everyone had it so um, that was othanol and all. In john in john 14 and 17 the lord said to the disciples even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells within you and will be in you and will be in you and so we know that there's going to come that time which is what peter's trying to explain to them this is the promise of the holy spirit that joel talked about we knew of times when in the old testament where our forefathers had moments where the holy spirit was operating on them but now we are seeing when the holy spirit what it looks like when the holy spirit falls on all flesh in and 10 it says when they came to gabiah behold a group of prophets met him and the spirit of god rushed upon him and he and he prophesied among them who is this that is being prophesied it was when the spirit of god came upon saul then what happened later on the spirit of god was lifted from him In chapter 16, verse 14, And the Spirit of God departed from Saul, and what happened? A harmful spirit came from the Lord and tormented him. So we see different demonstrations in the Old Testament of when the Holy Spirit would operate in people. He would operate in people to bring a prophetic word. It would operate in people to to bring correction. It would operate in people um, also to, to note out special ability. In Exodus 31, verses 1 to 3, it said, "'The Lord said to Moses, "'See, I have called by name Bezael, the son of Uri, "'son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah,' And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with the ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship. So what is happening here? We see the the Holy Spirit manifested in Bezael. How? He was manifested because he had the ability and intelligence and he had knowledge and he had craftsmanship. But now when the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, now it comes upon all flesh. We see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament active on individuals for specific purposes. But now Peter's wanting to make sure that his audience knows that in the latter days it's going to be poured out on all flesh. That means you will have the Holy Spirit. That means you will have the Holy Spirit. And it's not only going to be given to a specific one, but it is going to be given to all Male or female, all who would call upon the Lord, they would experience this outpouring. So under the old covenant, only certain people were filled with the Spirit. But under the new covenant, all would receive the Holy Spirit. And so it came to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Proverbs 18 and 10 says... the the name of the lord is a strong tower and the righteous man who runs to it will be safe and so we know that all who call upon the name of the lord will be safe he will pour out his spirit on all flesh he's not partial he's not going to say i'm going to give it to lydia but well Ruby, I'll just wait for a bit. And and well, brother, uh, I'll just wait for a bit on him. No, it is for all who are seeking for it. The baptism will come. The infilling will come. And what is it for? It is for the empowerment. Why would we need the empowerment to draw in the multitudes? We don't finish here tonight, but as we continue on, we see, as I mentioned earlier, that this church gave birth to 3,000 at the end of this sermon. At the end of Peter's exhortation of all that he breaks down. Next week, we're going to look into how he spoke of Jesus, and and, and, and um, we're going to look at the parallels of Psalms and, and what all he spoke of then. But as he is talking People are being drawn in. Are they being drawn in by Peter? No, it's the Holy Spirit beginning to work upon their hearts. You can go to the grocery store and you could be talking to somebody and all of a sudden you will draw them in. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is speaking through you. What made that man want you to pray for him? There was something that was drawing him in the words that you were speaking. It's not... So much as what Chris was saying, as much as what the Holy Spirit was doing in that individual's life. What the Holy Spirit will do in your life is to draw others to the Lord. What the Holy Spirit is doing in your life is to draw others to the Lord. If you think it's just for you to speak in tongues and have a happy hour when you go to church on Sunday, then you've misunderstood the purpose of the Holy Spirit. It's to draw people To God is to draw people to the house of the Lord. Remember he said, where will the resting place for me be? Where will the resting place for me be? Are you preparing for the Lord to have a resting place within you? Are you preparing every day within your heart? Lord, that I would be humble and I would be contrite?" contrite before you are you uh, lord speak to me through your word are you preparing yourself that it doesn't matter what his word says that you're going to obey what the holy spirit is saying if the holy spirit should highlight an area of your life as you're doing the morning devotions as you're praying in that morning, preparing for your day, as you're listening to a sermon and the Holy Spirit begins to nudge you, you know when you hold on to that thing that he's nudging you and you fail to walk in that obedience, the Holy Spirit doesn't make that resting place there. He rests upon the one who is walking humbly and contrite. He'll come back and nudge you again. And he'll come back and nudge you again until you come to that place of full surrenderance. You see, sometimes the reason why we don't see the growth that we want to see, the reason why we don't see the power that we want to see is not necessarily because the Holy Spirit is unable to do it. It's because we're not surrendering. It's because we're not walking in that obedient place. We're not walking in that place where, Yes, Lord, you can go to that painful spot. Yes, Lord, you can reveal that painful spot to me. Yes, Lord, I'm going to surrender that painful spot to you. See, when we walk in the obedience to his word things begin to change. Transformations begin to change. You won't even realize some of the things in your life that is changing, that the Lord is doing, that is working upon you. And all of a sudden, somebody will come up to you and make note of something. And you'll walk away and you'll go, I didn't even realize that anybody noticed that. And through what they have said, you will notice what God is doing within you. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. When we say don't miss what the Holy Spirit is doing, it's because too often we quickly read and we quickly surmise what it should look like and we quickly try to mix our recipe. When I cook, my kids make fun of me. Oh, Mom, you never know what you're going to put in there because sometimes I imagine, well, this will taste good on that. I don't have pineapple. I'm going to use orange. I don't have orange I'm good and it calls for oranges I'm going to use mango And so we mix up our own recipe. And so let's, as we read the word of God and as we see this account, let's see what the Holy Spirit is doing moment by moment through the word. We saw the demonstration of the wind as we opened up the the chapter. We saw the demonstration of the fire as we continued to make note. It appeared like fire. We saw the demonstration where he took over their mouth took over their language and now we saw further what happens when a life is fully surrendered because we saw this man who once den- denied his Christ this man who once this man who once did not even want to acknowledge that he had been with Christ now boldly standing before the people and declaring the word of God declaring the truth. How do we know that Peter in that moment was not afraid? What if after I declare Jesus to be Christ? What if I after I declare this truth, that they don't kill me too, that they don't desire to crucify me. In that moment, we don't know if his thoughts ever entertained it, but we do know one thing, by evidence of making note of what the Spirit is doing, that this man stood up in a boldness that was not his own, and he began to preach the Word of God. And it will happen to you. It will happen to you in your workplace. It will happen to you around your dinner table. It will happen to you as you're going to bell. All of a sudden, the Lord's going to make an opportunity for you. That you will be able to boldly de- declare God's truth to somebody. God's love to somebody. God's saving grace to somebody. But you know where it begins? It begins in the place where you surrender. Surrender. It begins in the place where you're you're willing to bear it all out flat before the Lord. It begins in the place where you say, you know what, Lord? I don't even care how I look right now. You just do whatever you need to do in me. It begins in the place where you go and you make that apology that you didn't want to make. It begins in the place where you begin to walk in humbleness and as you allow the holy spirit to transform you he begins to use you and as each of us walk in that obedient place of total surrender to him he begins to move in our church like i said that sunday When you in the pew begin to worship as though it's only you and God in that moment, in that spot, the others around you get the overflow. How do I know you have perfume on? Because when you walk by me, the perfume wafted. By me. The fragrance of your perfume followed you. The the fragrance and the perfume of Christ will flow around you. Why? Because you're in his presence. You're marinating in his presence. When you come to church, when you come to church, when you are in the worship service, engage with God as though it's only you and him. And if we all took this seriously, it would change the way our worship services go. It would change the way as pastors we get up to speak because now everything has been prepared for us. The hearts of men have been prepared that notes will not appear as they were, but now the Holy Spirit will speak to us, uh, through us, a whole different message that he desired to give. Why? Because you were obedient in that moment to make that place a place of sacrifice of praise between you and God, where you laid everything on the altar where you worship God and you didn't care about the person next to you in front of you behind you, you didn't even care whether or not they sung your favorite song, you just worshiped the Lord and that flows through the service and the Holy Spirit comes in. Shows up. We've only partially looked at Peter's boldness. We've only partially tipped the service, surface, I mean, of it all. But you know what? There's more to see. Trek along, even if it feels like it's cumbersome. Trek along with it. Learn to see the Holy Spirit through the pages of God's Word. Learn to see Jesus. Some people think Jesus is in only in the Old Testament, New Testament. He's in the Old Testament. He's in the Word of God. Let's learn to see what is there. We're not adding to the Scripture. We're being sensitive to the Holy Spirit to show himself to us. Because Jesus said that he would teach us. He would teach us. And so let's be students and learn of him. Father God, I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the truth of your word. And I pray, Lord, as we continue in this passage next week, that, Lord, you would just birth within us a hunger to read it over and over. That, Lord, we would even have moments where we pause and we say, what are you saying to me, Holy Spirit? What would you say to me, Lord? We just surrender all on the altar, Transform each and every one of us that are here tonight that are watching online, and Lord, renew within us, search us, try us, and renew a right spirit within us that we may walk humbly with it with you, that you may find a resting place. In our lives, in the name of Jesus we pray, amen and amen. Well, we welcome those that are online to join us Sunday morning as uh, Pastor, it's Pastor Julio, I believe will be speaking and and it's Father's Day. And so we want to acknowledge our fathers in the house and most importantly, we want to acknowledge Father God by our presence. So join us if you're joining us here online. We welcome you uh, Sunday morning in our midst and we'll be back here next Wednesday night. God bless you and God be with you and make his face shine upon you. Bye for now.